0: So, do they still pregame nap and pregame meal it? 100%. Neil still (laughs) pregame naps. (laughs) He'll never give that up. I'm like, do you really need to nap? He's like, it is a mental grind. (laughs) I'm like, okay, (laughs) Neil. Like, you don't need to make all these excuses. Go lay down. Like,.
1: That's so funny. funny. I give Everett such a hard time about napping as a coach. that He pretty much just doesn't do it anymore. (laughs) I'm not as nice as you, Meg. (laughs) Like, you do not need to nap. You are not playing in this game.
2: (laughs) What gets us through this crazy hockey journey is our amazing community of women. Inspired by our online network, Breaking the Ice is a platform created to connect us even more. As we share our stories, our passions, our tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things hockey and so much more for hockey expats by hockey expats. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hello, happy Wednesday. Hope you guys are having a good week. Today on the podcast, I have two of my friends joining me. I met Megan Kayla when my husband played hockey in Idaho for the Idaho Steelheads in the ECHL. We were there for, gosh, it's hard to say years, right? Because you're thinking, it's really seasons. So in between seasons, 2014, and the last time we played there was 2018, 2019 season. So we have all kind of been in cahoots with each other throughout that time. So when my husband played there, Meg's husband was the head coach of the team and Kayla's husband was the assistant. And now Meg's husband is the head coach of the Texas Stars in the AHL and Kayla's husband is the head coach of the Steelheads in Idaho. So if you're not familiar with that organization, um, Texas and Idaho are affiliated with each other. So it's kind of cool because they are still in a lot of communication. They're really good friends. and so. It makes their roles as coaching, you know, kind of fun and kind of feels familiar. Both of their husbands played hockey before they got involved with coaching. And we talk about the difference in day-to-day routine, the off seasons, especially this off season with COVID, how their husbands transition from a player role to a coaching role. And you guys also asked a lot of good questions on Instagram. So I definitely made sure to incorporate that. And I'm excited for you to listen to this episode because I do feel that being a coach's wife is a different perspective, and it is different than being a player's wife, girlfriend, significant other. We talk a lot about that, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you are listening this week, I would love it if you would take two minutes to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcast. If you just go to your app, you can find Breaking the Ice podcast in your library. And if you scroll down, it really just takes two minutes, but it makes a huge difference in people finding it and showing up when others are searching for it. So I would really appreciate it if you could do that for me and I will catch you on the flip side. Today, I have two of my good friends joining me on the podcast, Meg Graham and Kayla Sheen. And it's really exciting because we've actually known each other for several years now. Their husbands used to coach together in Idaho. And now Meg's husband coaches up in Texas for the Texas Stars in the AHL. And Kayla's husband is now the head coach of the Idaho Steelheads in the ECHL. And I am pumped to have you both on the podcast today. So welcome. Thanks, Devin. I'm excited. So, before we start, I just wanted to tell you guys my two favorite things about you. So, Meg, I'm going to start with you. My favorite thing about you is that you have this undercover wit and you don't show everybody this wit, but it comes out, especially after a couple of drinks. But it's my favorite because you come out with these like one liners and it always makes everybody laugh.
0: And I just, I love that about you. <laughs> Thanks, Devin giving away all my secrets yeah, right off the hop.
2: <laughs> I know. And Kayla, one of my favorite things about you is that you have this way of making any situation not awkward. Like seriously, you're like so outgoing. And if someone says something awkward, I, I get embarrassed. Like I get embarrassed really easily. And you can just like swoop right in if we're together and make any conversation not uncomfortable. So I love that.
1: Hope I can do that this morning too. No promises.
2: (laughs) I feel like we're all blushing right now. Meg, let's start with you. Give me your hockey elevator pitch. Tell us where you met your husband kind of circling back to where you guys are at now.
0: All right, let's do it. So, uh, Neil and I first met, um, at Mercyhurst university, which is a small school in Pennsylvania. Neil is originally from Calgary, Alberta, and he went to Mercyhurst to play hockey um, we met at the end of our freshman year, but we weren't anything serious. I mean, we spent that summer talking, and um, Neil actually flew out to New York, where I'm originally from, and visited me that summer from Calgary. Even though we weren't anything official, I probably should have known then, though, that it was probably something more serious than he was leading on or I was leading on to. Um, but we officially started dating um, at the uh, our sophomore year and dated throughout college and then after we graduated in 2010 that's when neil went on to play minor pro hockey and he spent a majority of his career in augusta georgia with uh, occasional call-ups throughout those two years and while he was playing hockey i was back in upstate new york um, getting my master's in literacy education Uh, So we spent those two years doing long distance and every time I went to visit him that first year, it was was inevitable. He got called up every single time I went to visit him. And um, so I don't know if that's good luck or bad luck, but (laughs) fortunately um, at that time we the places that he got called up to um greenville and charlotte he we were able to drive to so we just pack up the car and go and we'd stay at a hotel so at least i could still spend that time with him um and then after his two years in augusta uh, he decided to retire and he went back to calgary alberta and got a nine to five desk job and at that time we were engaged and my plan was to move out to Calgary after I graduated and we were gonna have the normal life in Calgary, live happily ever after. And that was going to be that right. Um, until things changed and he ended up accepting an assistant coaching job in Idaho and he was the assistant coach for three years and then transitioned into the head coach there for four where he coached with Kay's husband, Everett. And then just this past summer, he um, got a job for the Texas Stars in the AHL as their assistant coach. And then in December, um, the head coach he was working for uh, got promoted to the NHL as an assistant coach. And that is when Neil transitioned into the head coaching position here for Texas. So he's been the head coach here um, since December. That's
2: awesome. And I'm so happy for him. That's such a huge accomplishment. And it's his goal to be a coach in the NHL.
0: Yes, that would be, you know, his ultimate goal. And it would be great to, to see that happen. He's definitely a hard worker and um, he's, he's doing his part.
2: Kayla, what about you? What's your, what's your hockey elevator pitch? I think
1: it's cute. You're calling it an elevator pitch. Um, okay, Everett and I met when he was playing for the Ontario Reign in Southern California. Um, it was the ECHL at the time. Um, I was living in Southern California. I had recently graduated college and was living and working there. Uh, we met through a mutual friend. My, my best college girlfriend was interning for the team, and it was you know like stereotypical like met up with a group of the guys after the game type of thing. And (laughs) immediately Everett and I just knew we were in one. It was one of those, you know, you, you knew from the first probably two hours, like, this is my forever person.
2: That's cute that you knew that that's quick. That is quick.
1: Oh, it was super quick. And we'll both be like so quick to tell you that we just knew. So anyways, so he played one season there while we were just you know enjoying a new relationship and he ended up going overseas to play in edinburgh and i stayed back i didn't go with him i was working in southern california i didn't want to leave my job so he went over there for approximately four months but came back early that season and decided to play in colorado for the colorado eagles and i again still stayed (laughs) which i kind of regret it would have been really fun to go with him, but it made seeing him every time that much more enjoyable. I mean, we've all done some sort of long distance at some point, I feel like, right? Mm -hmm. It just ups or whatnot. Um, But he had a really good season over there. I had amazing visits going out to see him. Um, But we did the long distance there for a year, that whole season. and. It was, he was kind of like knew he was toward the end of his career at the, the like ending of that season, but wasn't completely decided what he wanted to do. And he really was interested in getting into coaching. He had been for a long time, probably like three, like the last three years of his career, he was interested in coaching. And he like ended up talking with Neil, who he had played um, hockey with in Canada growing up and, um, Neil, you know, told him about the assistant coaching opportunity in Idaho and Everett was just really excited. He, um, really knew he wanted to transition into coaching like mid-summer and then took the leap and was so excited to start coaching with Neil. So he took the assistant job here, uh, for the Idaho Steelheads and coached with Neil for three years, right, Meg, as an assistant. Mm -hmm. And then when Neil accepted the head coaching job, Everett had his first year in Idaho this past year and unfortunately his season, first season as the head coach got cut short because of the pandemic but um, he, as sad as it was to see Neil and Meg um, leave, it was exciting obviously for anybody to move up in this career because it's such a difficult career path Um, and then it was also equally as exciting for Everett to have his first year as a head coach, even if it was, you know, cut short
0: so it's such a bummer that this all seasons were cut short, but especially for you guys, Everett and Kay, like we tracked every single game. I was checking the scores in the ECHL little app and you guys were just crushing it this year. And we were just so excited to see you guys make a big playoff run. And I, I know you guys will pick up where you left off, uh, this upcoming season. Right. But um, it's such a bummer, you know, the first year and Everett's first year as a head coach and just absolutely doing just a great job. We wanted to, to see you guys make a big playoff run.
1: I know everybody feels the same about this past hockey season. It was just such a bummer, but it's just like, I feel all of it. Everybody's angst is kind of just building up for whatever does happen. We don't, nobody really knows right now exactly what's happening with the next upcoming season, but I just feel like sports are just going to be great this coming season. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has so much angst from the being postponed, not being sure right. what's going to happen. And I just, I'm so excited for, you know, coaches, players alike to just see what happens. Cause it's going to be some hardcore sports coming up this next season.
2: <laughs> did you ever expect that that was going to happen? Like that it was going to get canceled or did it come as a huge surprise to you guys?
0: It kind of, I would say both. I'm not sure. So I mean, when we were watching the news and, you know, end of February, early March, we heard about COVID, but I didn't know that it was going to make it to the states and get here as fast as it did and then obviously become as bad as it got so soon, right? Um, And during that time that COVID was coming to the states that March, first, second week of March, Neil and I were at the hospital, uh, having our second son and Neil was in talks with the GM and they were just going back and forth about what had happened and once, and what could potentially happen with the season. And once basketball canceled their remainder of the season, then it was kind of like, okay, like probably this is going to happen in the NHL as well. And then uh, we weren't, still weren't sure what that would look like for the AHL, but obviously everything was canceled at that point. And um, that was that. I mean, looking forward to picking it back up, hopefully this season though.
2: You guys probably saw what was happening over in Europe. The leagues just, it was just like this ripple effect. And then you watched it kind of happen in the States too. Did the NHL cancel for, or they, I know like obviously they resumed it, but was it AHL first, and then ECHL followed, or like how did that work?
0: I think to start, it was all postponed just to see what happened. Like I know the players here stayed in Austin in hopes that the season would pick back up again, maybe in a few weeks, a couple of months. And then uh, once cases started to continue to rise, um, that's when they told the players, you know, you guys can go back to your hometowns or Canada, Europe, wherever you are from or feel most comfortable with? Because um, at that point, the season had been canceled. I'm pretty sure it was the NHL to make that call first. Yeah. What What was your experience like, Kay?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. It really was a ripple effect, right? Everybody was kind of waiting to see what the NHL was going to do because obviously that was going to affect everybody
2: below. Mm-hmm. How has your summers looked different than before with your husbands being coaches? Like, do they usually spend a lot of time at the rink recruiting all summer? And then, like, did they get kind of a little longer of a break this year? The biggest difference is, of
1: course, just, like, right now, this past month. The beginning was um, the same, only different in the fact that he was working from home. So, the recruiting was still as extensive. The phone calls were still 24-7. Meg, you know that life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that part of it wasn't really, wasn't different at all. I mean, they were all prepping as if the season was going to start on time because of course they had to in case it did, right? So really his work remained the same up until September, you know, and then that's when it was kind of like, well, wow, this looks looking like we're going to have until December to put our team together now because this season has been pushed back so far. Um, But the biggest difference was just you know, being at home so much, both of us working at home, not being able to travel, to see family and whatnot, but he was still working all summer. That didn't change.
0: And I think it's different. Uh, I can only speak on like the difference between the ECHL and the AHL. And like Kay said, Everett just being on the phone all the time, that's exactly how Neil was as well in the ECHL, because you have more responsibilities as a coach in the ECHL. You're not just a coach, right? You're also the general manager. So you're responsible for recruiting a team making sure you have a successful season in addition to that you are completing players visas you're looking to set up travel and apartments and all while still maintaining a budget and you have to think about pay as well um so you just wear so many more hats and the summers were spent uh recruiting so neil was always on the phone like KaO was saying with Everett as well just trying to recruit players and make a team for the following season uh, but the, in the AHL Neil's main responsibility in this league is strictly coaching so they have a GM at this league and his responsibility obviously is to make those calls and recruit the team then then that Neil will be coaching that following season so that has been a huge shift for us and it's been, very nice, right? Um, To kind of take off that responsibility so Neil can just focus on the coaching aspect.
2: Yeah. I actually didn't know that the head coach of the ECHL had to do all of that stuff. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. The summers are definitely not time off for ECHL coaching. It's like go time because you're prepping literally everything for the next season.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's very different from, you know, of course, Everett being a player. The summers were so like laissez faire, it's kind of like, well, What do you want to do this week? You know, <laughs> but as a coach, it's he's um on the phone literally non stop and just pushing to try to get the team together and everything settled. It's not just you know, like, Oh, recruit the players, it's so much more in addition to that, like, make this much you know, visas, housing, budget, um, everything.
2: Yeah, so do. Neil and Everett do they communicate a lot like with player transactions and stuff like that?
0: I feel like they just communicate
2: a lot in general
0: yeah they yeah they're still so very close and they're constantly texting calling each other you know um, it's always just good to have a buddy or someone that kind of understands where you're at because I feel like coaching can kind of be... There's not many hockey coaches and it can kind of be a lonely occupation at times. It's nice that they're so close and that like Everett can kind of talk to Neil
2: for guidance a little bit because it probably is a different role stepping from being an assistant coach to being a head coach and taking on like a lot of new responsibilities.
1: Everett and Neil know they can trust each other and what little bits of information they're getting from whomever. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge part of this. Coaching for them is, you know, Everett and Neil being able to have those conversations, trusting that that information is not just going to go willy nilly to other people Mm -hmm. is, you know, that's always helpful. And having that within the same organization, I think it was so awesome that Neil took the position, which, you know, stayed in line with the same organization that Everett's in. That's made their relationship more dynamic, you know, for sure.
0: And it was an easier transition, right, for Neil as well, because that's a big jump and you're moving from Idaho to Texas in addition to all the other changes with the job and whatnot. But it was such a sigh of relief because Neil knew everyone here, you know, the coaching staff and whatnot prior to accepting this job because he had been working with them in Idaho. So it's so nice that um, every, it just has kind of stayed aligned that way for us. Everett and Neil, like I feel like they're yin and yang. Like I know Neil just appreciated working with Everett because he saw things differently than Neil, which I think makes a good team, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that's how and why they found so much success with each other. And that still continues, even though they're not working directly with each other and coaching the same team together, that still continues, right? Like they can bounce ideas off of each other and systems and plays and players and just kind of maybe one will see something that the other one didn't. I think that's just why they made such a good team. Yeah, for
2: sure. I totally agree with that.
1: I think it really has been fun for them to continue to develop, you know, players within the same affiliate or organization Mm -hmm. because they really do both have the players' interests in mind 24-7. We hear secondhand them talking about it nonstop on the phone. So I know it's been fun for them to continue their, you know, working relationship in that way.
2: And maybe it will just continue and continue and they'll just keep working their way up and and just keep going up this this ladder with each other. (laughs) That would be so fun. Could you imagine if they were both, I mean, I don't know who's listening, but both coaching, you know, uh, Texas
0: someday together in the NHL. Like, that would be so cool. Or we would love it. I don't think we've seen the last of the scenes, so I, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in the future,
1: for we sure. We all the time that we're going to end up back where it started.
0: Yes, that's right. <laughs> I can't well, wait till it comes full circle. I'm hoping for it.
2: We are too. You guys have obviously both experienced being a player's wife, spouse, partner, and then moving into that role as a coach's wife. How has that been different versus being a player's wife like do you, do you uh, go to the games and like feel the same when they win or lose for your husband now as you would if they were playing in the game
1: oh my god it's way more stressful as a coach's wife you know agreed yeah it yes. is way more stressful because it's not just i mean it's still a career on the line either way you look at it but it's it's different as a coach because there's so much more
2: responsibility that directly falls in the coach's shoulders. I totally get what you're saying. Like it's one person and a whole team versus like one person leading a whole group of people. And like the success is just measured kind of differently.
0: Yeah. I just know Neil as a player and Neil as a coach, I feel like Neil feels more responsibility as a coach which he should right because it comes with more responsibility Mm -hmm. because as a player you may have had a bad game but the rest of the team may carry your back that night right or you had a great game where maybe you carried another player's back who wasn't having the best game but as a coach I feel like you take the wins and losses but you take the losses harder if that makes sense maybe it just falls more on your shoulders mm-hmm. in that, yeah, regard.
1: that they take losses way harder because they just you know can put it way more on their shoulders than they would as
2: a player full circle back to that question would be like as a wife how is it for you
0: watching the games now versus when he was playing well when he was playing i feel like i was more focused in on like the individual right? Watching Neil and how he played. Whereas when he's coaching, it's more of a group and how the team played, right?
1: No, I completely agree with that, Meg. Because it's funny to think about my hockey knowledge from when Everett was a player to now that he's a coach. And that's not just because we talk about, you know, plays and coaching and players and positions more now that he's a coach. But when he was a player, when I would watch the games, I was literally just watching him And kind of watching every little thing he did and rooting it on or kind of be like come on but when you watch the team i became a huge hockey fan like i am a girl from california who really didn't have much hockey in my life growing up but now that i'm (laughs) a coach and i'm watching hockey i really appreciate the actual sport which is so funny to think about because i've been watching hockey for so long even when he was a player like i'm so much more invested And it's fun to see plays develop and then see the team do well and see the team dynamic develop over the season and it's just funny because i never thought i would be such a hockey fan
0: no i completely agree because once you start watching the game as like a team thing rather than an individual thing like you're saying you see the plays develop and whatnot and i feel like i became more knowledgeable watching the whole sport as a team rather than just watching neil and how he played that night right? so it is it is so you I mean, mean I don't know it all? <laughs> oh, and I'm far from knowing it all. Yeah, i was like, <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> I, I still have a ton to learn. <laughs> but no, it has become fun. And you just, you root for the whole team and you, you, as well as the individual players as well. You want them to have the most success when you want those call-ups for them and whatnot. So you are... Just as happy, even though it's not your husband or boyfriend, you're just as happy for the players that they're finding success as well. Yeah. yeah.
1: And even like more so excited because you see how excited your husband is about, you know, maybe some guy that they've signed or somebody that they are hoping to get a call up for do well in a game. And then you're like really excited for that kid, but also super excited for your husband who's, you know, just been rooting for this guy. And then he gets the call up, and it's just, that much more exciting because you have that like excitement for the player, and also obviously your husband who's just pumped and won't stop talking about it all night <laughs> long. The
0: game. We would, I would go to games, and then Neil would be like so fired up after the game. He'd be like, Did you see this play? And what about this one? I'm like, Neil, like doing like the play by play. I'm like, Neil, I was there, like, I saw all this. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> But he And just then gets you so were like, laughing
1: because you're like, I saw all that at the game and I saw it all those five times. You made me watch clips of it on our couch. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> right.
2: Exactly. Yes. I have seen that about 10 times now. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. And it's so true though, because I feel like when I go to the games, like I'm really just watching Charlie or like my friend's husband's. And then it's funny also because I feel like when I'm watching him play just it's interesting from a player's perspective because you never really know like what kind of game it is I guess until they're like walking up the stairs after it's like you can always tell right
0: too when they're walking by their facial expression (laughs) like oh god he's pissed we gotta go bye (laughs) but no for sure unfortunately Neil like as a coach even though I know losses are heavy on him he's so good at keeping those emotions at the rink. So after the game, he leaves it at the rink as best as he can. And he's such a glass half full kind of guy. Like, you know, tomorrow's a new day, new game, practice, morning skate, like let's regroup. And he just always has just such a positive mindset, which I think will take you far in life and just within this career as well.
1: He was the, the same way as a player, 100%, you know, would just leave it at the rink. For the okay. most part of course he's thinking about it but he's not you know changing the mood of the room um but <laughs> as a coach absolutely he's really good at you know keeping it at the rink yeah making sure that he's just always positive it's always like what's next even if it was a bad game or bad practice even you know he'll kind of vent about it for a second and then just be like okay but what can I do directly to make, you know, whatever better tomorrow,
2: right? Mm -hmm. It's weird because you can never tell. Do you ever feel that way? Like, like they're neutral sometimes with certain games with their feelings, like with their feelings? Or is it like if they win, they're happy. If they lose, they're upset.
1: Oh no. There's sometimes where they win and they're very unhappy because like systems Mm -hmm. didn't go well. You know, it's always just dependent upon the game. But of course, there's games where it's, you could have won 4 1, but something he was really trying to make work that night as a team didn't turn out the, as planned. And so it'd still be like, you know, upset, if you will, but mm-hmm. happy about the win, but, you know, wanting to improve upon whatever he was trying to do. It's 100% situations where it's like, oh, okay, great, that was a win. But like the system that he was trying to improve for the team that they play next weekend like that win wasn't the big deal. It's the game the following weekend and, you know, whatever, the PP, it doesn't matter. Like whatever the scenario was, maybe he was truly trying to work on the PP for, you know, the team they were going to play the following weekend and that they didn't do well, even though they won. So.
0: I agree. And whether you're a player or coach, it's just an emotional career, right? There's highs, there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. Yeah, for sure.
2: And it's interesting to hear that perspective too, because Like, I would never even think about that they would have those emotions about it. Like, that they're trying to implement maybe different systems as a practice for a different team. And if that doesn't go well, it could just be frustrating. Or they're like, okay, now I have to, like, restart and and try something new because that didn't work. And and it's it's really different.
1: Yeah, it's more of, like, a bigger picture as a coach, I guess, because you're – you're looking at it yeah, as like, a a good season, it. maybe not as like stats per game or, you know, mm-hmm. just you're kind of looking at the whole and is to develop players. It's like that always working to improve. So it's that one game was good. It's like, that doesn't matter. It's like, did we do this better as a team, um, you know, to complete the season?
2: Mm-hmm. So Neil was head coach of Idaho and an assistant coach of Idaho opened up. So Everett took that slot, but before Neil started coaching, how did he get into that profession? Because I know, like, obviously with players, they have agents, right, that recruit mm-hmm. them to different teams, and that's how they kind of get that exposure. But how did he step into that role as assistant, and then he worked his way up?
0: Uh, so Neil's path to get into coaching is kind of unique. Um, the, player, the coach that he played for in Augusta, Georgia, Brad Ralph, Uh, he played for him two years and then Neil retired after that second year and went to Calgary started a nine to five job and um, Brad Ralph his nickname we call him Ralphie uh, so Ralphie called him and said Neil I just accepted a job as a head coach in Idaho I'm wondering if you would like to come play for me in Idaho." And at that time, Neil said, you know, I think I'm good with retiring. I think it's my time. Like, Meg's gonna move out to Calgary and we're gonna just live here, start our life here. And uh, I think it's time. And so Ralphie then responded. He said, I thought you might say that. He said, how about, um, would you be interested in taking the assistant coaching position? And so that got Neil's wheels churning, because obviously that's something that he was interested in, but he didn't think that that would kind of come to fruition. Uh, So we kind of went back and forth on it. And we said, you know what, let's give it a try. Let's see how it goes. Uh, And worst case scenario, if Neil's the assistant coach for a year, doesn't end up liking it or something happens, doesn't pan out for us, then we can go go back to our original plan, right? So we said, let's try Idaho out for a year um, and then go from there. So at that time, something with getting Neil's visa to come into the States and work for Idaho's assistant coach did not meet a time constraint or they were past the time limit of when that visa needed to be applied and registered so then they had to make a visa and neil was considered to be the player coach so what that meant was him and ralphie had an agreement that his main goal and job would be to be the assistant coach however if there were call-ups or injuries if neil needed to step in to fill a position that's what neil would do and so his visa was as a player coach So that first year, Neil played about 10 games when um, they were short players. And in January of that first year, Neil got a concussion, which ended his career. And it just kind of catapulted him right into just strictly being an assistant coach. So from January to end of that season, that was his main job. And he was the assistant there for three years and loves it obviously still doing it, absolutely just cannot get enough of it. And it was the best decision we've ever made, even though we were so uncertain at that time, it was such a good choice for us and our family. And it brought us to, you know, where we are today and having Neil and your husband having a job that is just so fulfilling and just creates so much happiness. Like it, you can't, you can't put a price on it, right? Like you just want, you're someone you love to just be happy in what they do and fulfilled in what they do. And that's exactly what this job does for Neil. So, um, it was a great, great choice.
2: Yeah. It seems a, like it's a lot. And just as, as for players
0: as well, it's a lot about like connection and who, you know, right. For sure. Yeah. And yes, for sure. And we'll forever be grateful and thankful for Brad Ralph for making that call and kind of getting Neil's foot in the door and yeah
2: yeah and obviously like well deserved both to both of you guys for working your way up that ladder but i think initially yeah like it's if some if you know someone that's kind of in that field and you're kind of like hmm maybe i'm interested in it like they can help get you to that spot and then they obviously work so hard to continue and they have a bigger goal in mind and i'm just i'm excited to see like what comes for both of them i think i think they're both great coaches and yeah, it's amazing what they've accomplished so far already. Thanks, Devin. We're really, we're really You're excited. You're
1: welcome. You. <laughs> we're rooting for them just a little bit.
2: <laughs> I think you guys are both really fortunate in a way that you got to spend as much time in Idaho as you did because you guys both bought homes there. You both have children that you've been able to stay in like one place for a long period of time. And then obviously, Meg, you just moved recent, was the, within the past two years, right?
0: Uh, yep. So Neil accepted a job here in Texas in July. So just over a year ago. Oh, okay. Okay. So just a year. And how are you liking it there? Good. We're really liking it. We're enjoying our time. And you know what? This summer, we were hoping to kind of explore Austin a little bit more. Because when we made the move last season, we moved right before camp started. So we didn't have the time to kind of explore Austin, um, in downtown specifically. So we were hoping to do that this summer, but obviously with COVID that has kind of not happened, but we're <laughs> looking forward to that next summer. But so far we've really enjoyed our time here. So
2: one of the questions that someone asked on Instagram was, do you guys find that the daily life and routine is similar to when they were playing?
1: Yeah, it's pretty similar. I think. Two perspectives here. (laughs) Well, it's similar in the effect that it's just like, like the game days are pretty much the same. Meg, don't you agree with that? Like game day is game day and it's just hockey all day, but obviously the routine is different. You know, it would be hockey all day and it's, you know, morning skate, come home, get my meal in, get my nap in, back to the rink. And now it's not like meal nap. Now it's like.
0: So I, I definitely we'll get that.
1: Like it's, it's the same type of routine where a game day is just a game day. It's mm-hmm. that's my only focus that day. But just what they're actually doing is
0: different. So do they still yeah. pregame nap and pregame meal it? Hundred percent. Neil still pregame naps. <laughs> He'll never give that up. I'm like, do you really need to nap? He's like, it is a mental grind. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Neil. Like you don't need to make all these excuses. Go lay down. Like. <laughs> I've got the kids you nap. Exactly. That's exactly. so funny.
1: I give Everett such a hard time about napping as a coach that he pretty much just doesn't do it anymore. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not as nice as you, Meg. <laughs> like you do not need to nap. You are not playing in this game.
0: <laughs> we have had that conversation so many times. I've just given up. I am like, you're not playing. I don't think you really need a nap. Like it'd be great. You know, if, You could spend some time with us after lunch before (laughs) going back to the rink. And he's like, oh man, like it is such a mental grind though. People don't get it. You don't get it. I'm like, okay, (laughs) Neil.
2: (laughs) Okay. So what about like day to day? Like, do they, do they come home at like five o'clock PM? Like, do they stay at the rink all day? Well, it depends what's happening. If there was a
1: trade or something that is dictating their day. But it's not it's not as set in stone as being a player because it's not like on and then I come home. It especially in the ECHL with how many hats Everett's wearing. It really depends on what transactions are going down or who just, you know, what player just became a free agent. It's all really dependent upon just like what's happening in the hockey world at that time that dictates maybe like what time he comes home from work that day.
0: And I would agree with what Kay's saying. Like the game days are probably very similar. You know, like going to the rink, practicing, then coming home for lunch, and of course the pregame nap, and then going back to the rink at about 3, 3.30 to prep for the game. But then after the game, then Neil does video on our couch until about 12.30, 1 a.m. to yeah. get ready for either the next day of practice or potentially the next game the following day. But I would say the non-game days, that's the biggest difference I would say between a player and a coach from just what I've experienced and what I've seen. Because as a player, uh, you go in, you practice, you do your workout, and then you can kind of go home and have the rest of your day to yourself, right? Whereas a coach, like uh, Kay is saying, depending on what happened that day or that week, um, they go in, do practice, and then kind of stay at the rink and either scout the next scout the team for the next potential game or doing video of their own team to show. So definitely you're spending a lot more time at the, the rink or doing that work at home after the kids go to bed or what, what it may be, you know. Do you ever find that that's like frustrating that there's
2: not as much of a set? I mean, I don't know. I find... With Charlie, it's just—it's still not a set schedule. He rolls home at like three p.m. on normal, (laughs) normal practice days. I'm like, literally, what are you doing? Because we all—we live in the same apartment complex with all the other players, and I see them come home like hours before Charlie comes home. I'm like, do you hate me this much? Like, what are you doing right now?
1: Of you just like sitting in the stands waiting for him to come out after games?
2: I am always the last person there. I'm like, dude. Hey, but I would be with you because Everett and Neil would still be in there. So I would come sit with you. Oh, Everett came up way before Charlie would come up. I swear. Like it was ridiculous. Like I, yeah, I could go on and on. That He's gotten a lot better with that after games because I'm like, yo, I just sat through a three-hour game. Let's go. You're my ride. This year, we live just right next to the rink, so I just walk back with the girls and like, see ya. But yeah, do you ever find that it's like frustrating that something could happen in the day, like a trade or something that's unknown? Like, you don't know about it. Maybe they don't know what's happening, and maybe you had like plans or something, and then like that affected him coming home when he was
0: supposed to. I, we're it not, is not to make plans.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. Don't make plans as a, as a coach's wife. That's probably the number one rule. Don't make plans. Um, it's not frustrating for me because we're just so invested um, in the Idaho Steelheads as an organization, but also like selfishly in, in Everett's career. Like he really wants this so bad that no, it's not frustrating. It's part of the game. You know, we, you totally start accepting that as a, as a player's wife or a significant other, you know, whomever. Um, and then you really, really understand as a coach's wife, like I'm just as invested as he is. So no, it's not, I mean, maybe it's like a fleeting moment of frustration, but we're more invested in the career and, you know, where this path is going to lead than, you know, bummer, he has to be on the phone while we're driving to
2: dinner.
0: Mm-hmm. What about you, Meg? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think it's something that you know going into it, like you kind of signed up for it and you know their responsibilities and you know that it's going to take some um, maybe time away from you. And you know that the seasons are going to be busy, right? Whether your significant other is playing or coaching, they're just going to be busy, right? Um, so that's what I think is beautiful about this job is the off seasons, even though you're... Significant other might be if they're playing like getting ready for the next season or coaching also getting ready for the next season, at least they're home, right? There's no road trips, they're home. And um, I think just with this career, there's pros and cons and just got to take the good with the bad, you know? Yeah,
2: for sure. Oh, here's a good one. Do you find that it's harder to make friends on the team when you're the coach's wife, maybe with like other players' wives? like because it is kind of a different dynamic
1: yeah it definitely is just that like inherent friend group isn't there anymore when everett took the assistant coaching job in idaho and we moved from southern california to boise um you don't have that oh yeah i'm gonna be friends with all of the other players significant others it's kind of like oh shoot who am i gonna be friends with? <laughs> And so really Meg was the only one and we created our own little family within the organization because there's so many kind people here in with the mm-hmm. Steelhut specifically, but also just in Boise. It's a cool city. Um, it really was just, you know, the grams. It was Meg and Neil and we, you don't have, you know, as many options. I don't know. I like that our option was a great one. Thanks Meg for being awesome.
0: <laughs> Likewise.
1: <laughs> but even developing our friendship, Devin, you know, it was when we moved, I was working from home. I continued to keep my job that I had in California, but I was working remotely in Idaho. And to just get out and meet people, um, Devin pushed me to get a job at Lululemon. And that was definitely a saving grace for me because it allowed our friendship to develop outside of the rink because, you know, it wasn't really as just commonplace for me as an assistant coach's wife to become friends with a player's at the time mm-hmm. girlfriend. That sounds weird. Mm -hmm. You guys are like more than that. (laughs) But girlfriend. Um, So then when we were both working together at Lululemon, we could develop our friendship there. So that was really helpful to me personally. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I would say as a coach's wife, it was a totally just different dynamic because you don't have that Mm -hmm. inherent friend group. That's I'm going to the game with all these group of girls. It was kind of just, you know, not as big of a community.
0: I definitely agree with that. And Devin, I think you're a unique situation too, because you and Charlie spent so much time in Idaho that like it allowed for a connection. I, you guys were there for five years, right?
2: Yeah, off and on. And plus, like, you know, we also, as you guys decided to make that our home in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I think that the three of us were able to builds more of a relationship than it would be if like that wasn't the case and like we were moving away and going home and we just kind of stayed there and and had this like mutual connection and you know the guys knew each other and the girls knew each other so it's it felt natural. Has it been different for you as well Meg?
0: Yeah I wouldn't say it's been harder I just think what Kay said she that it's a different dynamic A 100% I agree with that.
2: There is kind of like a boundary because you don't want to say anything that's going to step on anyone's toes and yet like you don't want something to slip out on your end that maybe you weren't supposed to repeat and like there is there has to be kind of like this neutral boundary that you have to set I guess for yourself and for your partner
0: and for just like their job versus who they're coaching. I get both sides and but we've been so fortunate that every team that Neil has played on and coached for like has had an awesome group of guys, which then makes for an awesome group of girls. So it hasn't been anything that's been like a sticky situation or anything like that. It has been like so great in that regard. But like Kay said, it's just a different dynamic. Mm -hmm.
1: One of Robert's biggest things when he's recruiting a team is to create, like create an atmosphere that's has good humans basically, mm. people that are kind of striving for a similar goal, and that's what's been really nice about being a part of this journey with him. Is that I mean, last year was really the only like time he got to recruit his team because prior to that it was Neil's team and Everett working with him, but Everett and Neil brought in so many good guys and good players, but just good guys that all their significant others were super cool too. So it's always just been a group of friendly people surrounding the teams that have been here in Idaho. So, I mean, aside from not being, you know, directly hanging out with those people all the time, they're just nice humans to see at the rink, to pass by at the games. And you can have a conversation with somebody, even if you're not best friends with them, you all just enjoy being at the game, supporting the team.
0: For sure. Yes, I agree with that.
2: Yeah. And like Meg, you were teaching or when he was assistant, right. And then you had Rylan and then you kind of took a break from teaching at a school, right? Yes. Yeah. And then Kayla, like you obviously got a job at Lulu. And I think that's like, that's actually a really good tip. I feel like is as a coach's wife to maybe get a job outside of hockey so you can meet another community of people. Since it is a little bit different, and like obviously, like you guys have come to my house when there's other girls there watching the game, and like it's totally fine. And but just Mm -hmm. to have something that you can like, kind of step out of the hockey world for a hot minute and like have different relationships with different groups of people. And I know that Meg, you hang out with like some teachers that you've been friends with, right? Like in Idaho. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Um, Yeah, and I think it's just in this career, I think it's just good for you to kind of have your own thing as well right and kind of have something to focus on other than hockey and when your uh, significant other is on the road or working and whatnot then you have your own thing it's not like oh man like I wish they were here so we could do something together while that's nice it's always good to have your own thing for your own self as well
1: yeah I totally second that when you're with somebody that's traveling for work, you have to have like your own thing that you do when they're gone or else you're just missing them all the time. Mm-hmm. And definitely when we moved here and I didn't have my close friend group in a new city, mm-hmm. it was so fun for me to work at Lululemon on the weekends and stuff, whatever it was traveling and literally just get to chat with people. It wasn't about mm-hmm. like an extra yeah. income. It was just about getting out and talking. I'm to
2: sorry, people. what extra income because <laughs>
1: I lost money working there 110% (laughs) because I bought so much product. It is absurd. I miss the discount. I want to get a job there again. Me too. I I
2: know. I told Charlie, I was like, I kind of want to work there this summer just for like once or twice a week or something. But I remember there was a time where you and I were talking and like, I think you were, I don't know if you remember this, but I think you were like kind of missing home or like just like missing your friends. And obviously you still have your same job where you're working eight to five every day. And it's like very consistent Monday through Friday, but you were like, I just like, I want to meet people. Like, I just feel so like trapped inside. So I think that was so good for you. And then you like worked there longer than just seasonally. And I remember you just like loved it because like you said, you just were, you were able to like meet other like-minded people, people that worked out. And then you got in the community and like got to try out these different exercise studios and stuff like that. So I think that was like really cool.
1: It was, it was key for me to like learning to love this city and, you know, love being here because without doing that, I think I would have just been trapped in those team apartments because when Everett (laughs) and I first moved here as the assistant coach, our housing was the team apartments. So
2: I mean, (laughs) now that would be nice. Those team apartments are freaking amazing. (laughs) amazing Brand
1: new apartments. They're so beautiful. I wish that's where we got to live when we first moved here. Um, But yeah, I mean, gosh, I was just living in the apartment in a new city working from home. Like that's the kicker. It's not living in apartment, whatever. The apartments were fine. It's just an apartment. But when you work from home and you're in a new city without your friends, oh my gosh, I was just, I needed to get out. And I'm
2: really glad that you pushed me to do that. Thank you. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, of course. And plus I wanted you to work there too. I was like, this will be fun. fun. (laughs) We're going to get in trouble because we're just going to stand here and talk, but. It's fine. How did you learn how to support your, your husband in a new role as a coach versus player? Was it kind of just the same as how you supported him while, while he was playing the game? Yeah, super similar. I mean, being like a listening ear, I
1: think is the biggest thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe like staying up while he's doing video, that type of thing. But it didn't, that role didn't change too much being the supportive person.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Just kind of just being there when they need it, and like Kay said, the listening. I think that's the most beneficial for for at least for us. Is like such a different
2: thing, like being a coach's wife versus player's wife. So I was just curious, like if at any point it is challenging for you in certain aspects. Maybe like you guys both have kids, and like it's still right. Like they're gone on the road the same amount of time, and like there's more time at the rink, so. The the challenges
1: are very similar if you're comparing the two, being a player's significant other as opposed to a coach's significant other. They're very similar, but especially with Everett coaching the ECHL, he's wearing so many hats. There's so much more time at the rink or so much more time where he's away from the rink, but it's still hockey. It's film. It's phone calls, you know, everything like that. So really for me and our situation, it's just more of the time spent, which is the challenge is a harder as mm-hmm. a as a coach, because it's so much more time invested than just when he was a player. And, you know, of course we have a kid now, so it's,
0: that's definitely hard. And that's what I was going to say too, like Neil playing versus Neil coaching. We are at completely different stage in our life now than we were when he was playing. We didn't have kids when he was playing. We were engaged We're you know, just having a great time. Like, but now that, we have kids. It just adds a whole nother element to kind of this lifestyle. And it makes it difficult because on long road trips and like Kay is saying, just the time uh, even at the rink. It yeah, comes with the how. job.
2: It's like, you know, you know, that's how it's going to be. Like any job. I think, I think at, like, you know, if you're home with the kids and your husband's gone from nine to five even, or, and he has to spend a few o- extra hours at the office, it could just be hard And I think that you really have to learn how to communicate with each other to like make it
0: work. And it's tough for your little ones too, right? Because we understand what we signed up for. Mm -hmm. Rylan, who's four and a half, doesn't get that. And Rhett, obviously he's seven months, so he doesn't (laughs) know if he's coming or going. But with Rylan catching on to these things, like this quarantine has been so great for us in that regard. Like Neil being here every single day, while with Ryland, like, Ryland thinks it's the best thing ever, and we've just been having so much fun spending time, like, as a family, and the fact that Neil is here every day since Rhett has been born for almost seven months, that's unheard of in this career path, right? Usually they always have a road trip or they're, they're leaving. So the fact that he has been here to, like, see the first for Rhett and, like, all the milestones that he's accomplished so far like that has been such a huge blessing for us and we're very grateful for that and definitely a silver lining for a crummy situation that is COVID, right but um it's been really good because that's something that you don't get as a family during the season yeah Yeah. that's
1: to go on to the point that you made meg about everett as a coach we're in just different times of our life when he was a Mm -hmm. player was not nearly as challenging because we weren't homeowners with a 16-month-old son. (laughs) So the challenges there are just, you know, where we were at in our lives, as well as, you know, Everett working hard to turn this into a lifelong career.
2: I was going to ask you, has your husband developed any odd habits during quarantine?
1: So I don't want to say developed, just the odd habits he already had have becoming so glaringly obvious or have become so glaringly obvious. His loud chewing, which I'm sure so many women will say this during (laughs) quarantine. Like, why does my husband chew so loud? I have no idea, but he does. It's annoying.
0: Okay. Everett, if you're listening, stop chewing so loud. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wouldn't say neil's developed any habits uh, over this quarantine but neil's definitely uh loves everything in its own place and he's very organized in that <laughs> regard. oh my gosh like, I neil, that. <laughs> neil is super organized but like will, like doesn't like deep clean if that makes sense so like i will like come back from running an errand or something and things will be in their place and he'll be like i spent all morning cleaning and i'm like wow it looks great in here but it's not like a deep Clean, so like our definitions of like clean and cleanliness are a little bit different. But it's so funny, like that has definitely come to light because I'm just seeing it more often with things being in their own little place. Yeah, <laughs> that's not like a horrible um, thing to have. No, though. <laughs> he, no, Neil's way, way more organized than I am. I could really? use a little bit of Neil
2: oh, in that Yeah,
0: because he's way more organized than I am. <laughs> okay,
2: Charlie's been. Like watching, do you know who Gordon Ramsay is? Uh-huh. Yeah, with he, Chef. Yeah, like he has these YouTube videos of him cooking, and Charlie has, he watches them all day. Like, seriously, we'll get in bed and I'll look over, and he has headphones in and he's watching these cooking videos. He loves to cook, which I appreciate, <laughs> but mm-hmm. what I don't appreciate is that he starts these big productions at 7 o'clock p.m. And I'm like, could could we just like have a grilled cheese? Like, why do you have to make this grand meal? Like I appreciate it. I sound like an a-hole, but he starts it at seven PM. So then we're eating at nine and I'm just like keeled over, like barely breathing anymore. But anyways, that's we're his weird eating, like, culture overseas. Don't they eat late over there? I think so. I think that is a thing. But I think like if you go out to eat, not if you're in your own apartment, like could we yeah, eat at a I'm normal crazy. time? <laughs>
0: right. And there's nothing like uh pregnant hungry like you being no. hungry when you're pregnant you're just like hangry all the time oh so I my god so with where i, you're think coming I was
1: eating every five to six minutes so yeah. i, <laughs> was, you know, I felt hunger while i was pregnant
0: <laughs> my I patients... lived off of chick-fil-a when i was pregnant with rylan and now oh. he absolutely loves chick-fil-a i mean who doesn't but <laughs> i like that was my go-to with him <laughs> <It's> linked somehow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: When is the earliest your husband has ever came home after practice? Like as a coach? Like has he ever surprised you and came home at like 12 o'clock? Yeah, as a coach. Yeah, like
1: days uh, where they had a lot of games that week and they would just do a morning walk or something. And they would come home yeah. early.
2: When's the latest he's ever come home? Or you were like, um, pardon?
1: I don't know. Seven,
2: eight? <laughs> has he ever come home that late? Yeah. Really? But it was more so like if
1: he had, I don't know, like stuff to print out or like visa stuff to do.
2: Wow. That's late. Dang.
1: Or he was probably just like napping at the rink. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Where where does he nap?
1: (laughs) Does he have a bed? Since I've shamed his naps at home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Naps on the couch in his office.
0: I know, sometimes I'll text Neil, like especially in Idaho, I'm like, where are you? Especially when you have kids, you're just like, oh my goodness, when is this extra set of hands going to come and relieve me, right? So like you text and you're like, where are you? And he'll be he's probably like still at the rink, like, oh, I'm caught in traffic. I'm like, there's no traffic on Federal (laughs) Way in Boise, Idaho. Like, come on, spare me here. (laughs) There actually is traffic now there. Which is crazy. But but back then, no. This was like when Rylan was like a newborn too. But yeah, I believe that there is traffic on Federal Way right now because it just seems like Boise is just expanding like crazy.
2: It's that's something I do not like about Boise now. Like the traffic is just so bad. Kayla, don't you agree? Like if you if you have to, because Kayla and I, for those listening, live in the same area in Idaho. Like this, we generally the same direction. So we live in Meridian, which is. And Boise is so small, right? It's like 10, 15 minutes outside of Boise. Anyways, you do not want to get on the highway at certain times of the day, or you are just like stopped.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: they need to expand the freeway, not to get into some huge tangent, but it's true. <laughs> it's like they, they were not aware that Boise was going to grow the way it was going to grow. No, there's so many people moving here. It's expanding so fast. Yeah. Rightfully so. Boise is such a great spot. Yeah. Such a hidden gem. It totally is. So what would you guys say is like your favorite part about the organization the people yeah like literally
1: the people who work for the organization Mm -hmm. everybody here i can't speak to everybody like in texas i just hear about them from everett and they all seem like great people um but i haven't met too many of them but everybody here in um boise and idaho they're literally awesome. And I'm talking about like the arena staff, the front office staff, most of them have been working for this organization for like almost 20 years or some have been for 20 years or more, but like everybody else has been here quite long as well. And they're all just really invested in the success of the mm-hmm. organization. And it's really nice to have that sense of family here because we, all of my family's in California and all of Everett's families in Alberta. So it's nice to have this little like inherent, you know, Idaho Steelheads organization family.
0: I definitely agree with that. Definitely the people and everyone has, everyone is just so kind and caring and everyone has a similar goal in mind too. Right. You just want to see success and happiness and having your team that you're rooting for, uh, go far and do the best that they can. So I would definitely say the people as well.
2: Yeah. And obviously Dallas is in the Stanley cup finals. I'm sure you're both rooting for
0: them.
1: Last night was something. (laughs) Obviously, it's been nonstop hockey on in this household.
0: It's been so exciting to watch, especially there's – you're obviously going to cheer for him, but there's such a different investment level now as well because Neil has coached a handful of these players in Texas this year that are doing a phenomenal job in Dallas uh, for the playoffs right now. So it's such – it's so fun to see the team have success as well as just kind of having just a little extra involvement and seeing the players that uh, Neil was involved with in Texas have so much success as well.
1: Yeah. It's so funny when any one of the guys that were with Neil last year does something like I have to hear from Everett all that guy's <laughs> like, he played this many games, this many minutes. These were his stats for Neil last year. Like, isn't that cool? Neil coached him. And I'm like, that's really cool.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Like one of Neil's best coaching memories I would say from this year is uh, a young kid was called up to the NHL in the middle of this year. And Neil got the opportunity to tell him that, that he was going to the NHL for the first time. So Uh, Neil called him into his office and told him the good news and Neil came home just beaming. He was like that was by far the coolest experience I've ever had in my coaching career to tell a young player like your hard work has paid off like congratulations like you're gonna go to the NHL and you're gonna play and like you know do what you do here up in the NHL and you'll have great success too and He's just ripping it up in the playoffs for them right now.
2: Yay. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. If anyone wants to reach out, where can they find you?
0: I'm on Instagram. My handle is meg.gram.
1: Same. Best way would be to message me on Instagram. My handle is kcribs. It's K-C-R-I-B-B-S.
2: All right, guys. Slide into their
0: DMs. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Devin, for having us.
2: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next week.